Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 403, Finding Success in Systems. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Daryl Darnell. My 11-year-old son, who has not watched a single college basketball game all season, correctly predicted three of the final four teams. I only correctly predicted one of them. Let's not talk about that. And I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I share lessons I've learned about the value of systems and organization. Well, happy Monday to you. I hope that you had a great weekend. I hope you are ready for a great week ahead. Welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Let me just say that I am battling a cough and my throat is raw from all the coughing that I have been battling all weekend. So hopefully uh, today's episode doesn't sound too rough. And uh, I'm also sporting a cough drop while I do this, which is something I would normally not do. But My throat is so raw right now. So anyway, forgive me for any uh, loss in quality of my voice, as if I had a great voice anyway. Anyway, let's get on with today's show with the fun fact. Today is March 28th, and do you know what happened at exactly 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on this day in 1985? 1985, March 28th, 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time. All right. More than 6,000 radio stations simultaneously played the song. Now you're getting it, aren't you? Yes. We are the world. We are the world. Come on now. We are the children. All right. I told you my voice is, you know, gone, so we won't sing anymore. But anyway, great song, right? You remember that if you were alive in the 80s. Well, here are some fun facts about We Are the World. This was a benefit single for victims of famine in Africa. It raised over $63 million, which is equivalent to $136 million in today's economy, which was distributed to Ethiopia, Sudan, and other impoverished African countries. The song was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and the producers were Quincy Jones and Michael Omardian. 42 different artists sang on the track, including Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson, of course. Others included Stevie Wonder, Kenny Rogers, Tina Turner, Billy Joel, Diana Ross, Willie Nelson, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Loggins, Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, Bob Dylan, Ray Charles, Waylon Jennings, Smokey Robinson, a whole bunch more, and even Dan Aykroyd. What? It's true. It's totally true. It's a weird story. We won't get into it today. All right. Another fun fact, the project began as an idea Calypso singer Harry Belafonte had for a benefit concert featuring black musicians. Lionel Richie's manager, Ken Cragen, liked the idea of releasing a single and contacted Richie about the project, who agreed to help. After Belafonte and Richie, Stevie Wonder was the first star to agree to the project, and from there, word got out and many members of the music industry signed on to help. I just named off a few of them. It was recorded on January 28th, 1985, the day 
of the American Music Awards. Since all the artists were in town for the awards, it was much easier to get them together to record the single. Yeah, pretty smart. And lastly, the song received a number of honors, including three Grammy Awards, one American Music Award, and a People's Choice Award. And it was also sung by my third grade music class. That's right. Mr. Hamilton would go around the room with the microphone and play the song and put the microphone up to our mouths. And we would sing, we are the world. One more time. We are the children. Yeah, it was so much fun. We would wave our hands, act like we were Stevie Wonder. Man, it was so cool. Loved it. All right. Nostalgia overload. Let's get into today's episode. All right. A few weeks ago... I got an email from a local friend of mine who was needing some help with a project. They're going to be relocating their office this year, and he wanted some help figuring out how to properly record in their new space because they're going to have a classroom space for training seminars and workshops. So he invited me to join him at the location of another company that has a similar setup. And in all likelihood, they're going to be sharing some of the new office space with that other company. So, of course, I happily joined him, and I looked forward to seeing how I could help them. I looked forward to spending some time with my friend, and I was also looking forward to learning a few things during the workshop that was being presented. Now, the workshop was being attended by about 30 people from some of the most recognizable businesses here in Oklahoma City. Some of the attendees had recently been promoted to a higher level of management, so they were sent to the workshop as a part of their career training. And others were independent business owners or high-level executives who were wanting to grow their own business skills. The workshop attendees were seated all around the room, mostly in a U pattern, with several other attendees seated at tables in the middle of the U. Now, during various times throughout the session, the workshop leader asked questions of and got feedback from the participants. And this was helpful for me to observe so that I could better understand the recording environment and the conditions. Well, over halfway through the session, the leader passed out a couple of pieces of paper to each participant. Both pieces of paper were identical and had the numbers 1 through 100 printed randomly in a grid pattern. On his cue, we were instructed to find and circle as many numbers as possible in the time allowed, which is one minute. We had to start with number 1 and go in ascending order. After he made sure everyone was ready and understood the instructions, He gave us the signal to begin. Now, I easily found the first couple of numbers, but then it seemed to get harder and the numbers more elusive as I progressed. At the same time, I could hear the sounds of everyone else's pins circling number after number, and I felt like they were circling much faster than I did. I tried to focus and go faster, and I could feel the seconds ticking by, and my brain felt like it was going in slow motion. And then in a flash, he called time, and we put our pens down. One by one, we went around the room and called out our highest number circled. As we did, the leader wrote them down on a marker board. My score was near the average of the room that day. I found 14 numbers. The leader then instructed us to draw two lines on the paper. One line would divide the number of columns vertically in half, and the other line would divide the number of rows horizontally in half. This essentially put all the numbers into one of four quadrants. Making sure we were all ready to go again, he gave the signal and started the time. This time, I was off in a flash, 
I remembered a couple of the general placements of some of the numbers and was more familiar with the exercise. Still, it seemed like everyone was circling much faster than I was. And when he called time, I was happy to see that my score had improved. This time, I scored a 19. However, I was pretty sure that I didn't improve at the rate that everyone else did. I looked over at my friend's paper, and he'd scored in the high 30s. <sighs> well, we went around the room again, and I was near the end of the line, so I was one of the last people to reveal my score. So by the time it got around to me, I was mortified. Well over 20 scores had been revealed at that point, and no one did worse than me. In fact, after all the second round scores were given, I was dead last. The highest score was in the 90s. How could someone find over 90 of them and I only found 19? <sighs> I was embarrassed. I felt like a loser. I wanted to crawl under the table and hide. I didn't want to look at anyone in the, in the eye or even talk to anyone. Why would they want to talk to an idiot like me? My self-confidence was through the floor. Well, the leader asked the room if dividing the grid into quadrants helped. And everyone seemed to think that it did. I couldn't figure out why they thought it helped. It didn't help me. I think the only thing that helped me was that it was my second time doing it, and I was more familiar with the exercise. Then the leader asked if everyone had noticed the pattern. What? There was a pattern? He revealed that the numbers were consistently found in quadrant order. That is, number one was in quadrant one, number two was in quadrant two, number three was in quadrant three, number four was in quadrant four, number five was in quadrant one, number six was in quadrant two, etc., etc. Oh, that would have been so nice to know. It turned out that the guy that found over 90 numbers picked up on the pattern, and used that knowledge to fly through the exercise. Well, here's what I learned. As I drove home a short time later, I wished that I had had one more chance to do the exercise with the group and prove that I wasn't an idiot. I wondered what I could do if I did the exercise again with full knowledge of how the numbers were arranged. So you know what I did? I opened up Excel and recreated the number sheet. I took the quiz again, and this time, I did much better. I didn't score in the 90s, but I did score a 36. My number was right in line with the score that my friend had achieved, and he had taken the quiz before that day, because he had been to that workshop before. I then called my kids into the office. I had them sit across from each other and take the quiz. I gave them two rounds, just as I had been given, and I then revealed the secret of the quadrants and gave them a third attempt. Guess what? Their scores skyrocketed, too. Colby went from a 19 on his first time to a 37 his third time. Addie went from an 18 her first time to a 32 her third time. So there are quite a few morsels of goodness in this story. First, in my conversations with my friend that day, as well as hearing the comments of others, all of us felt like we were slowed down. By hearing the noises of other people's pins, it caused us to lose focus, let our mind wander to thoughts about how far they were progressing, and even caused us to have doubt, fear, anxiety, and dread. All negative feelings. When I asked my kids 
how they felt as they were going head to head. They described the same things. So how much do we slow ourselves down? How much energy do we lose by focusing on the wrong things? It's also worth noting that doing something over and over again will generally give you a better result each time. Now, this seems obvious, but it is worth noting. We can expect to do just about any exercise or task and get better at it the more times we do it. This exercise certainly fell into that generalization. The bigger lessons for me came when it was revealed that there was, in fact, a structure and a system to the layout of the numbers. To those who observed that their circles were progressing in quadrant order, they performed the best. This tells me that it's helpful to always keep an observant eye open for ways that we can improve our workflow. I was so focused on trying to improve just by sheer will and determination that I was completely oblivious to the obvious pattern. I even thought at one point in the second exercise that it was stupid for him to have us draw the lines on the paper. It reminds me of a story from when I was in high school. Do you remember that game Minesweeper from Windows 3.1 and beyond? My girlfriend's dad used to sit at their computer and yell at that game because he could never win. She observed him playing one day and told him that the numbers represented how many bombs that were touching that respective square. And he pushed back and said, no, that's not how it works. She had to be mistaken. He said that the numbers were just random gibberish. So she took over his game and showed him what she meant and taught him how to interpret the numbers. His mouth was literally agape as he realized that he'd been oblivious to the obvious clues. Almost immediately, he won his first game of Minesweeper, and he took on a whole new enjoyment of the game. So why didn't the session leader tell us about the pattern before letting us go for the second time? Or why didn't he let us go for a third time? I honestly don't know. But I think that this gives us the biggest lesson of the day. We can't assume that everyone sees or understands the systems around us. When we bring in a new employee or include someone into an established system, it's important for us to show them how things are set up and explain the whys of the system. If we only give them partial information, we are not fully equipping them for success. It's like giving them half a map and telling them to figure the rest out themselves. Lastly, it's important to systematize and keep things in order. Organization, systems, and full instructions go a long way to achieving success. And I think that's something that all of us can get excited about. I'm Daryl Darnell, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. I can also get excited about the Friday Forum, and I would love to have you as a part of this week's edition. You can share your stories of the stuff that you've learned by calling 304-837-2278 or by going over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. To subscribe to Stuff I Learned Yesterday, visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash subscribe. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you'd leave a review in iTunes by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes.